Today's second reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 19 to 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the good news of our Lord. I gotta be honest, I kind of feel bad for Thomas, right? Because how do we remember Thomas? The doubting guy, right? Never mind, it says in the gospel that he was called Thomas the twin, right? That would be a much more appealing way to remember. But every year, this Sunday after Easter, we have this reading of doubting Thomas. It's a little unfair. Can you imagine if 2,000 years from now people remembered your name, but they associated it with doubt or, I don't know, any number of things? You would want it to be something good, something not like doubt. And so I don't really think it's fair to him. Because I'm not honestly sure it was all that bad that he was skeptical. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing to some of the Christian churches, he says, you know, don't believe everything you hear. He says, don't believe every wind of doctrine or trickery, but test every spirit. So I actually think Thomas was doing a very faithful thing. He wanted to be sure. He didn't want to just give in to win. I mean, if you actually think about all the rest of the disciples, you remember when the women came back from the tomb and they said, Jesus isn't there, he's risen. They're like, no, right? It's an idle tale is what they believed. And so I think doubt can be a reasonable part of faith. It can be a part of our lives. Now, that doesn't mean we live our whole lives saying, well, I don't know if it's true, so I'm forget it all. That's different. But faith is, is trust in something that we can't see, something we don't have clear evidence for. We don't get to see the resurrected Christ the way that the disciples did. 
even the way that Thomas did. Doubt is real. And, and sometimes it hides in the dark corners of our mind. Sometimes it comes out when we're going through hardship or suffering or we lose someone that we love or we're feeling down on ourselves. And we wonder, is this all real? Was Jesus really the Son of God? Did he really rise from the dead? So maybe you've heard that quote by Karl Marx, the religion is the opium of the masses. He talks about that it's a place where we can find comfort and escape. It's a way of maintaining the status quo and telling the people that are lowly, it's okay, it's going to get better, don't worry now. We turn to religion in times that we're struggling and, and when we're having a hard time and when we lose loved ones. And so some could say, you're just doing that because it makes you feel better. But if we who are people of faith say that it's not the opium of the masses, it's not just something to make ourselves feel better, what is it? And that's part of what Jesus shows in this resurrection appearance. First is peace. That's the very first word that Jesus says, peace be with you. And remember that word peace for Jesus is not don't fight. It's, it's be whole and well be okay. Even when things are not going perfectly, know that it will be all right. That's the first words that Jesus gives, that peace, that shalom, in the Hebrew word. And then Jesus shows them life, that there is life after death. And not only that, that there is hope. Last week on Easter, we heard how Jesus said to those women, Jesus has gone ahead to Galilee gone to your homes, gone ahead to your future to prepare that place for you. But if doubt can be reasonable, and even a healthy part of honest faith, what is it that brings us to faith? Martin Luther would say, we cannot by our own reason or strength believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, but that we are called, gathered, and enlightened by the Holy Spirit. Those of you who had confirmation, that was in your small catechism. I see the nodding heads. It's the Holy Spirit that brings us to faith, that spirit that Jesus breathes on us. He breathed on the disciples, and they breathed onto others, and they breathed onto others, and that breath, that spirit, has been passed down simply by being in one another's presence, right? When you breathe, you share the air with one another. We've become very aware of that during the pandemic, right? And it's very easy to share that. And in the same way, we share the Spirit of God. We share the life of God, the peace of God. And it's worth knowing that, that not far into this gospel today, Thomas does believe. He doesn't hide in the corner when Jesus appears. He doesn't even act ashamed that he questions. He believes. And the beautiful thing is that I, I think is that when Jesus comes and, and confronts Thomas, Jesus doesn't say, Thomas, you should have just believed. Why didn't you trust me? I told you this was going to happen. 
Why don't you believe them? None of those things. Jesus says, look, you're welcome to reach out and touch. Jesus offers him what he needs. And likewise, I believe that God offers us what we need to have faith as well. Be here. And not without doubt sometimes, but to be here and still hope and believe and trust, even when it's difficult. In the end, you know, you may see lots of pictures of Thomas sticking his fingers in the wounds of Jesus' hand. And it's kind of gross, actually, to think about that, right? Um, But it doesn't actually say that he does that. Just Jesus being there is enough to give him faith. Though he says, I need this empirical proof, in the end, all he needs to know is that Jesus is there. Because it's ultimately not physical evidence that convinces him it's the presence of God, the peace, the hope, the life that Jesus gives. And so I wonder, who in your life has been the wounded hands and feet of Jesus? Right? We talk about being the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ, and we are individually members of it. And so if that's the case, we are the wounded hands of Jesus. We are the wounded feet of Jesus. We often hear that passage and think of ourselves as being perfect and blemish-free and, you know, regular hands without holes in them. But we are wounded, as Christ was. And so when someone has come to you in their vulnerability, doesn't that make a difference? When you're going through a tough time, when you've lost a loved one, someone says, it sucks, doesn't it? It hurts, doesn't it? And they're with you. That's what gives us comfort. It's not empirical evidence. It's not any kind of demonstration. It's people being there and being vulnerable with us. And I think that is us being the wounded body of Christ to one another and bringing one another to faith and trust and hope and peace. Even when we have scars, we can bear them to one another. We can share our pains with one another without making it feel like we're less ourselves, but to be honest about who we are and that we are human and that we are of Christ. We are called ourselves to be the wounded hand and feet to the Thomases of our world who are struggling to believe. But it's so hard being vulnerable to others. I can't tell you how many times I've talked with folks about um, helping out or teaching in Sunday school, and they say, oh, I don't, I don't know enough of my Bible. Or I don't have it all figured out. Same thing when we were writing those Lenten devotions last year. I'm no Bible expert. I don't have it all together. Well, you know what? That's all right. You're in good company. That was every single disciple. Sometimes when we see someone who's hurting, who's maybe grieving, or even celebrating, we have a hard time sometimes going up to them and being with them in that pain or that joy because we're not sure if it's our place. 
We're not sure we have the right words to say. We don't have it all figured out ourselves. We even have our own doubts related to death and our own questions. And so we say nothing. But Jesus calls us to be the body of Christ, even wounded hands. And when we share our woundedness, when we approach each other with vulnerability, we're not showing weakness, we're not showing death. What we're witnessing to is simply that we are people who have gone through tough things and are still alive. We can be wounded witnesses. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to be doubt-free. In that last verse of our gospel today, it says, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life. One way or another, we who are gathered here have become believers. I believe it's because someone has shared that faith with us, that belief with us, that hope and that peace people who were themselves wounded, but they were the very body of Christ in our lives, and we have received blessing from them. We have received that holy breath of spirit, the peace that chases away fear and insecurity and reorients our lives, simply because someone shared their wounded hands with us. We share our faith not just in words, not just by pointing at the Bible and saying, well, it says this, and therefore that's all the evidence you need. We share our faith not because we have it all figured out or have it all together or because we are perfect. But we simply share by showing up, which is exactly what Thomas needed to believe. By showing up, as we are, the wounded body of Christ. And so we share life as we ourselves have been given life. Thanks be to God.